You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji-Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Hi, spot on viewers and listeners. I'm back with today. Episode is all about should you put your hair on a diet? And what do we mean by that is, you know, what is the role of nutrition and diet and lifestyle play on effects on your hair? And, you know, um, I read that, you know, many of us lose up to 100 strands of hair a day. I'm, I think it's 200 for me. But more importantly, that about 80 million people um, experience baldness, which, you know, it it can be quite, quite um, traumatizing. So today I brought on the person to talk about this and how diet and lifestyle could affect your hair. And this is Dr. Nicole Rogers, and she's a fellow of the American Academy of Dermatology and a fellow of the International Society of Hair Restoration Surgery, which is I find fascinating. She went to Harvard, you know, that little school over up, up here in Boston area. And she then went to Tulane for medical school and she did her dermatology residency there. And uh, she really specializes in hair loss and hair restoration, which I can't wait to hear more about her. And guess what? Guess what she did in her spare time? She was the president of the Louisiana Dermatological Society. I don't know how the heck you could be that and do all the things that you do. But Dr. Nicole, I want to welcome you to Spot On. Well, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. All right. So so for those that are watching this on YouTube, you can see that she's got gorgeous hair, very thick hair. So I just want to ask you this question. <laughs> what made you go into this in dermatology? Because that's a, this is a very unique, specific, and thankful that you did this, you know, expertise. So did was it something personal or how did you get into this? Well, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting. I had attended a lecture at the American Academy of Dermatology. And looking back, you know, in my... Um, you know, it, it was, I couldn't have, I couldn't have planned it better, but it was literally at seven in the morning in San Francisco. And it was uh, t- taught by um, Dr. Mark Avram, who um, is, you know, very famous for um, hair transplantation. And I basically had one of those aha moments. Like I was just watching it and listening to him and just the idea that you could move hair from one part of the scalp to another and then it would grow. And I just, I was just so excited. And so I actually approached him at the end of the lecture and I said, how can I learn this from you? And he said, well, I actually have a fellowship. Um, He said, but it's always plastic surgeons who apply and I'm a dermatologist and you would need to be a dermatologist in order to, you know, see patients and cover your, your fellow salary. And so I said, well, let me send you my resume. And so the rest was history. I was his first um, ISHRS, that's our Hair Transplant Society um, approved fellow. And um, it was a wonderful year. You know, I learned so much working with him there in his Manhattan office right there on Fifth Avenue. We had such interesting patients and, you know, um, it was just a real pleasure. And that was that was kind of the beginning of my interest in hair. 
you know, I have to tell you that when I was in college, I was under a tremendous amount of stress and my hair started to thin out and I started to get like a bald spot in the back. And I was, I was traumatized. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to go bald. And I remember going to the dermatologist, you know, I'm losing all my hair and everything. So I know how um, stressful this could be for people if they think they're going to lose their hair. And we know in, in the news, you know, this J- J- Jada um, Pinkett Smith, the whole, she had something called alopecia, which we're going to talk about. So let's talk about, you know, who experiences hair loss? What people don't realize is that male and female pattern hair loss, which is the in- inherited form of hair thinning, can affect up to 50% of the population. Wow. And, and I think we're aware of it with men, right? Because it's very obvious, you know, I'm sure, you know, almost every one of our listeners can think of somebody in their group of friends or family who's, you know, losing their hair. But I think for women, it's less obvious and, you know, but it's just as common. And I think sometimes for women, it could be even more dis- distressing, right? Because the hair just starts falling out. And I think what makes the workup of female hair loss much harder is just that women are more complicated. Right. So, so what causes? Like, are there certain uh, you know common things that cause? I mean, you know, genetics has it. You know, but what is there other types of diseases or, or issues that are going on in your body that may perpetuate hair loss? Sure. So the most common um, thing that can trigger, you know, an initial onset of hair shedding is childbirth. And so usually about three months after the baby is born, you know, the hair follicles um, will uh, start shedding. And and it's a little uh, complicated in the way that the hairs will um, enter, they'll, they'll finish their growth phase, but they won't actually shed during the pregnancy. So that's why hair looks very thick and full while people are pregnant. Um, but then all those hairs that should have shed while you were pregnant will all come out at once about three months after the baby is born. Okay. And of course, you know, if anyone, you, there's enough stress with having a newborn baby, you know, and you're not sleeping and everything. Then when you start thinking your hair is falling out, then we have, oh my goodness, this is like a really bad movie. You know, they're, they're, we're going to be talking about the diet and the role of nutrition because uh, people that are don't have healthy diets may also affect hair loss. But there's also, sir, I, I was reading, there's a certain um, conditions that may cause hair loss. One of them was celiac disease, I read. So can you tell us about that? <clears throat> it's actually something that's not on my radar that often. Um, you know, I guess if you had celiac disease and you were um, missing some of the um, necessary carbohydrates in your diet, then that could be a problem. Right. I think what I read was that, that and this is very, I remember this, uh, it, people with celiac disease, oftentimes it's undiagnosed, so they're, they're malabsorbing nutrients. And I read that that could um, cause a problem if you're not getting all the nutrients because your body is a, not able to absorb it because it's all inflamed in your GI tract. You could have malnutrition and not really know it. And we're going to talk more about the diet later on. But you said something to me uh, about heart disease. Right. So it's interesting because if you look in a lot of the um, original dermatology textbooks, what what you'll see is that certain blood pressure medicines can cause hair loss. You'll see certain um, like blood thinners can cause hair loss. And, and that was something that we used to think. And what we've actually learned is that the same people who are genetically prone to hair thinning are actually genetically prone to heart disease. 
Um, <clears throat> and that can be in the form of, you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes. So it's very interesting. You know, I think we're just, you know, starting to pay attention to this and, um, you know, looking at the mainstream literature, there aren't a ton of publications, but there's enough that, you know, we can kind of piece together that probably the same gene, you know, for hair thinning and heart disease, are, it's almost like they're inherited together on the same chromosome. That's, that's absolutely fascinating. You know, it's a yeah, total link. I mean, but what the heck, it's your whole body. So you, you have one issue, it's going to affect another. You know, I, I started to tell you when I was in college, I was stressed. And, and, you know, obviously the hair stopped falling out. But how does that happen? Because I know a lot of people are under stress. How does stress affect your hair? I think hair is sort of a luxury, right? Right. And so when your body is going through any kind of major physiologic stress, you know, it directs all its energy and calories and survival to your most important organs. And so hair is kind of an appendage. It's, you know, it's an extra. And so sometimes when people, um, you know, have very high fever, um, a prolonged illness, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of cases with COVID where people developed hair shedding. Sure. Yeah, it's been well reported throughout the medical literature <clears throat> um, that COVID has been associated with hair shedding. Um, so, so, you know, does everyday stress cause hair loss? You know, I would argue no. Um, you know, one of my and Dr. Patty Ferris's colleagues and mentors, Nia Terazakis, she would always joke. She would say, well, if, if just good old stress caused hair loss, we'd all be bald. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and she, she was kind of right there. Um, but major physiologic stress, you know, that can definitely trigger hair thinning, hair shedding. Also things like general anesthesia, you know, um, so if you have general surgery requiring general anesthesia, that can play a role. One of the things that we've seen more and more lately is people evolve toward, you know, optimizing their lifestyle is uh, testosterone supplementation in mm. women oh. can, can cause hair hair thinning or hair shedding. And I don't know that it necessarily causes it for every woman, but definitely those who have a genetic proclivity to hair thinning, you know, their hair follicles are more genetically sensitive to circulating androgens. You know, everyone has estrogens, which are your girl hormones, androgens, which are your boy hormones. But and, it, and it's not usually that women who have hair loss have more androgens, but I will tell you in the instance where people are getting these testosterone pellets installed in their, you know, behinds and, you know, they're, they're getting pumped full of high, you know, androgen or testosterone levels, that can be very problematic and it can definitely present with massive hair shedding. So that would be like if you were on antibiotic steroids, like if you're trying to bulk up and you take those types of things, that could affect what you're saying, it can affect and cause hair loss. Sure. Wow. Okay. And, and, and other lifestyle issues. What about smoke? The smoke, is there anything with smoking in your hair? You know, it's interesting. Um, the data seems to indicate that smoking can cause premature graying of the hair follicles. No kidding. Mm -hmm. And so what, what happens is that it can um, reduce the melanocytes, which are the pigment producing cells in the hair follicle. Um, it, it basically mops up the antioxidants that they would otherwise use to rejuvenate themselves. Oh, so interesting. So interesting. Premature graying. Oh, my goodness gracious. What about alcohol? You know, that's interesting. I mean, I think alcohol has really not 
shown up in the literature one way or another. Okay, so that that's my thank goodness. Whew. Okay, all right. <laughs> so talk. Let's get onto the diet because you know this is fascinating to me. I mean, I know you know being a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and nutrition professor who teaches at Boston University here um, that you know if, if someone has a poor diet, like someone has uh, unfortunately disordered eating and maybe have anorexia where they're not eating you know we see a lot of you know physical changes uh, on the body one of which is hair um you know so if you're you're malnourished in that kind of a, a case so what is going on in the case where someone may be really malnourished because they're on a crazy diet or a very restrictive diet for a very long time how does that affect your hair well, again, you know, it's it's a major physiologic stressor to the body. You know, if your body isn't getting the energy, the calories that it needs, then, you know, that can definitely contribute to hair shedding. We've also seen patients who, um, say, have the bariatric surgery. And, um, you know, even if it's sort of done in like a controlled fashion, where they're losing X amount of pounds per week or per month, if it's a rapid enough weight loss and it's a significant enough weight loss, you know, even you say 50 or 60 pounds over four to six months, <clears throat> you know, people will definitely come to our office with hair loss, hair shedding. That's interesting. So what, you know, bariatric surgery is where the stomach is, you know, reduced to a very small pouch. This way people lose uh, weight quicker. So what you're saying, that rapid weight loss can cause this hair shedding. Now, is that the because the body is like stressed? Oh, my goodness gracious, I'm having all this rapid hair loss. Or is that because they're eating less and maybe not getting enough nutrients or a combination of the two? I, what, what's the story on that? I think it must be a combination. Yeah, yeah, because when you think about that, if you've, you're losing that much weight fast, your body's like, whoa, you know, what's going on here? You know, where's mm-hmm. this all going here? So I can imagine that that would be a stressor on the body. I read something about a high glycemic diet where your, your blood sugars are, you know, uh, more likely to be elevated chronically or a lot of uh, glucose or blood sugars being elevated. Did you, is there anything to that? I would say it maybe goes hand in hand with what they've seen about the increased risk of diabetes in patients who are prone to the hair thinning. Um, you know, I, I don't know that high glycemic diet in and of itself has, will cause hair loss. I don't know that I've come across that. But, but I will tell you, I try to get most of my patients onto a plant-based diet you know, given what we know, there was an article um, and it was published in the um, Archives of Dermatology Research back in 2018. And what it showed was that a Mediterranean diet, fresh herbs and fresh vegetables could decrease the risk of androgenetic alopecia in males. So androgenetic alopecia, can you explain what that is? So androgenetic alopecia is sort of the umbrella term for male and female pattern hair loss. Which is, which is just good old garden variety, you know, male pattern thinning. For, for men, it's often presents with recession, right, right of right. the hairline. For women, it can be a little bit harder to diagnose because the frontal hairline will usually remain intact. For women, it's a decrease in the density of the hair. So their scalp may look more see-through. And it can be not just over the top of the scalp, but you know, sometimes above the ears, women will feel like their hair is thinning out or sometimes even in the crown or vertex area. 
That's so interesting. So what they're saying is that a well-balanced diet, uh, you know, with fruits and vegetables and that meets your needs could help. Absolutely. Keep your hair healthy. Like, I mean, this is the whole idea of this episode is could, should you put your hair on a diet? And when I say that, it's not like a, a, a strict diet, but a healthy diet that we sh- the healthy diet and that may help reduce any genetic or aging hair loss that, that occurs. And that's another issue. You know, uh, let's, listen, when I was in college, my hair before it my stress level was very thick. It's not as, as thick as it, it is, you know, my right now, it's not as thick as it was at, at its fullest, you know, as a teenager in early 20s. So n- natural aging, right? You're going to lose hair as you age or, yeah. So that brings up a couple of interesting points. So number one, yes, many patients will have a decrease in the caliber of their hair over time. So they found that for each decade of life, the actual thickness of your individual hair follicles will get uniformly slightly finer and thinner over time, okay? Um, But also, you know, whenever I see patients and it's a new patient presenting to my office, it's the first time I've seen them, there's a few lab tests that I like to do. And um, going back to what we were talking about nutrition, so I, I always like to check vitamin D Um, vitamin D is very important. Zinc, I like to check ferritin, which is a measure of the iron stores. And then I also like to check, um, a TSH, which is for thyroid. Right, right. So, so that's interesting. So you're saying that people that uh, may not be, have adequate vitamin D and you have zinc, you said, and iron, that, that, that may be a problem, you know, and perpetuate or, or promote hair loss. Is that Absolutely. So, so when patients come in and they're having massive hair shedding, you know, what we call telogen effluvium. So that, that's sort of like the term we use for, you know, new onset shedding, going back to all the reasons we talked about, right? Childbirth, you know, crash diets, high fever, you know, that kind of massive weight loss. So telogen effluvium, you're going to do blood work just to make sure that we're not missing anything. Cause sometimes we will actually find you know, a vitamin D of 11, you know, and it should be 30 or above. Whoa. Yes. You know, that's, Dr. Cole, that's, this is very, very interesting because if you look at the the uh, nutrients that a lot of Americans fall short of, one of which is vitamin D. And, and that's so interesting that that could be, you're saying that that could play a role. The other one, when you just said iron, I'm like, iron, you know, any, Many women don't get enough iron in their diet either. And so I'm saying to myself, oh my goodness, the women, this is like a double whammy that's going on here. Right. And especially premenopausal women, if they're still menstruating, right? you know, sometimes they will actually have a lot of blood loss compounding that. you that. got that right. And so we know that iron is, you know, animal products, you know, meat, fish, uh, chicken, and, and also fortified cereals and, and fortified grains is a great source of iron. Vitamin D is a tricky one because really there aren't a lot of uh, robust sources. We have milk because it's fortified, but not all yogurts will have um, vitamin D in there. And salmon, but how much salmon are you really going to be eating here? And And so it's hard to get vitamin D. And also what we see now is, and people need to be careful about this, we did a whole episode on this about these plant-based milks because 
you know, cow's milk has vitamin D fortified, but not all the plant-based milk, you know, well, there's oat milk and almond milk, not necessarily has it fortified. So you want to check the label. If you're not drinking cow's milk, make sure that the milk that you are, the, the protein-based milk, has the vitamin D in it. That is so interesting. That Wow. I, I read also that protein, a deficiency in protein may also, and that's what we see that in people who are really have disordered eating and are really... Um, have lost a dramatic amount of weight. But so do you look at when a patient comes to you and ask them about how much protein they're taking? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I always try to ask patients a little bit about their diet and, um, you know, I mean, you're the nutritionist. You can probably comment on this much better than I can, but everything I read is that you really need about 40 to 50 grams per day. Correct me if I'm wrong. You are right. That's for, that's for women. Yep. Yes, that's correct. And, but, but it's often, you know, I think sometimes we end up, we actually end up getting more protein, you know, because people are eating so much poultry and so much eggs and so much, um, you know, they're maybe actually eating more meat than they need to. So um, unless people are vegetarians and, you know, not really being mindful about finding other protein sources, I, I actually don't worry too, too much about that. But you know, Dr. Nicole, what you just said is very interesting because you're right. Uh, many Americans are getting too much. But then we go to the other, you know, extreme. Like if you're eating a diet that is really high in protein, but isn't Mediterranean-like, right? Because you just said a, a diet like Mediterranean that's whole grains and fruits and vegetables and some fish. So if you're saying that that is, helps with hair nourishment and you're going to an extreme diet of having a high-protein diet, which like there's very little grains and fruits and vegetables, you wonder, you know, there's, there's, that's not balanced. So you wonder how that could potentially be affecting um, your, your diet. You know, listen, let me tell you something. Um, I... You know, I'm Italian. Everybody knows that I'm Italian here. And I've said a gazillion times, let's just all move to the Mediterranean. I think we'll just solve a lot of health issues. And now I know it's for your, your hair, too. <laughs> the um, Tell me about biotin. Because uh, is biotin, you know, people are taking biotin. Should they be taking biotin from the hair? I often read this. And is it good? Is it not good? Can Can, can you comment on that? Right. So biotin is one of these things that I think almost everybody recommends that, you know, you take biotin for hair, but there's actually really no data in the medical literature supporting that. You know, it's it's always been sort of touted as, you know, for skin and hair and, you know, overall skin and hair health, but we really don't have any studies. And actually there was a couple of warnings issued by the FDA recently Actually, I say recently, within the last five years. Um, and one of them um, was based on a case report out of um, Harvard. There was a gentleman who had multiple sclerosis, and he was self-treating with high doses of biotin. And when they did his blood tests, they he basically was diagnosed with Graves' disease, you know, which is a thyroid disorder. But they thought it was weird because he didn't have any of the symptoms, right? He didn't have, you know, the proptosis with the eyes. He didn't have the goiter. He didn't have any of the clinical symptoms of Graves' disease. So they thought, hmm, that's weird. And what they realized was that the biotin supplementation was altering the thyroid lab test results. 
and it, it interferes with what's called the biotinidase assay. So whenever I do order test results on my patients, I make them stop any biotin-containing supplements for a week prior to getting that drawn. Right. So that so you're not really when you get the lab. Oh my goodness, you're not going to when you get the blood work done. It might mask something because the by. Oh my goodness, that's really good. And you know, biotin. You can get biotin from you know uh, peanuts and and eggs. You know, as long as you cook the eggs, which you should never eat raw eggs. Um, and and whole grains. So it's not like something that you have to go out and take. And since you are saying the literature doesn't really back up, it does anything. It might be actually do harm. So that's that's really interesting to know. You know, speaking of harm with biotin, taking too much, I also read that if you take too much vitamin A, it would, this would be through a supplement, because um, it's retinoids, could be a problem too with your hair. Is that is that correct? Right. So that's always something that I have heard too. And, you know, it, it's sort of tied in with um, uh, Accutane, right, which is the the brand name of isotretinoin, that's the sort of miracle acne treatment, the oral medicine that's been used for decades to, you know, very successfully treat and prevent scarring acne. Um, but, you know, isotretinoin or Accutane is a cousin to, to vitamin A. And so there have been reports of hair shedding in patients who are taking Accutane for their acne. Um, you know, if it happens, it's usually temporary. You know, once people go off the Accutane, their hair usually goes back to normal. Once in a while, though, if the patient has a strong family history of hair loss, it may under uh, unmask an underlying male or female pattern hair loss. And so, you know, then we have to actually go ahead and think about starting starting them on medication for their hair thinning. Wow. You know, what you just said is um, is interesting, you know, that if you have hair loss because it was something, um, you're taking a supplement that you shouldn't be taking or whatever, too much or something, uh, your hair will grow back. Is that pretty common? I mean, I know in my stress that, that, that it grew back, obviously, after I, you know, got rid of the stress in college. But from, you know, is that pretty common that if you, you know, clean up your diet and stop doing things, taking maybe supplements that are problematic that the hair will grow back well it all depends right you know so um, if you have a strong gene for male or female pattern hair thinning you know you can have a perfect diet you know right, you, can, right. you can be supplementing with the most you know amazing vitamin regimen and that may or may not still help you to actually halt the hair thinning and regrow your hair yeah okay is it is it you know you, we have men uh I see bald men, I think. And we with with lately we're seeing some women now and some celebrities or wherever that are bald. And, and you know, this Jared Pinkett Smith was is an excellent example to bring awareness to this. Um, is that common that women will go bald? You know, it's really it's hard for me to comment on her particular situation because I just I don't know exactly what caused her hair loss. But um I love that as a, a woman of color, she said, you know what, I'm just going to shave my head and, you know, just wear my hair natural um, because, you know, she's A, a beautiful woman. And, you know, B, I think a lot of women who are of African-American uh, descent, they end up having to do a lot of manipulation and a lot of damaging grooming practices in order to, you know, look more like Caucasian, if you will, you know, they're, they're using, 
relaxers that can be very chemically damaging to the hair. Um, you know, they're using weaves, wigs, sew-ins, you know, they're using things that um, are not healthy for their hair and that can definitely contribute to, to breakage. You know, we could probably do a whole nother podcast on causes of hair loss in African-American women because they're actually very unique and different from the causes of hair loss in Caucasian women. Interesting. So you're saying that that's because, because I have read that hair care could really put a problem, you know, bleaching your hair, you know, you know, put coloring, you know, to cover the grays, permits. And, you know, you know, it's so funny that I have you know, Italian curly hair and all I want is straight hair and then you go to the salon and all people with straight hair want curly hair and they're all, <laughs> everybody's doing the opposite like I'm trying to straighten the my hair the grass is always green right I'm trying to straighten my hair and get the frizz out of it and these other people are just trying to do the opposite so, it's, so you're saying that that really could the more you manipulate your hair and try to change it like for me being silly and trying to have straight hair is damaging and my, you know, the blow drying in my hair and the flat irons I, I, I use. Um, really, so all these things that I'm trying to do to get a hair that, that wasn't given to me uh, is damaging. Is that what you're saying here? It, it can be. And especially, you know, if you have slightly finer hair to begin with, then those hair follicles are going to be more susceptible. They're going to be more vulnerable to breakage from things like flat irons. Right, right, right. Okay, I got to stop with the flat iron, and I got to stop with every. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> the next time you see me, you're gonna have like this. You're gonna see my natural frizz, my natural Italian frizz, but it'll be thicker probably. Anyway, <laughs> this was fascinating, Dr. Nicole uh, Rogers. She's a, a dermatologist specializing in um, hair restoration and hair health, and I'm glad to hear what you said about um, that a Mediterranean type diet, basically a well balanced diet may actually be good for your hair and going to extremes and being deficient in some nutrients like the vitamin D I thought in the iron was fascinating. So here we go again. Another reason why we should be making sure we're are eating healthfully, you know, for our long-term health and, you know, so for the health of our hair. So I want to thank you so much for sharing your expertise here on Spot On. Well, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salji Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you? <laughs>